With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. KXNO. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome back, 11 o'clock hour, Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you until noon, Matt Norlander, bottom of the hour, Randy Wayhofer momentarily, Danielle West from LifeServe Blood Support uh, as well. There is a, a blood drive coming up at Principal Park on Thursday. We'll talk more about with that, uh, with Danielle in about oh, 11.15 or thereabouts. We wanted to give our friend Randy Wayhofer and all of the good folks over at Principal Park little love here this morning for what they were able to do and played a significant role well, they were the hosts. Yes. I would say that's a significant role by keeping as many people social distance as possible as everybody tries to get through this. Randy, Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. A tip of the ball cap uh, to use baseball vernacular to you and the staff over there. Did a terrific job throughout the summer. Had one little disruption. Uh, but other than that, Randy, uh, well, well done. How are you? I'm, I'm a little bit more rested than I would have been if we would have done this on Friday. Well, thank you for all of that, and um, you know we we didn't know exactly what to expect going in, uh, but on the on the backside of this and, and looking back, I, I felt like the things that were within our control, ninety eight percent went went pretty well, and uh, we're we're pleased that we were able to see the tournament through its completion. There, there was concerns about if that was going to be the case. We heard the stories of the teams that season ended prematurely, but overall, you're talking over 95% of the teams were able to complete their season in baseball and softball across the state, including all 32 teams there at the state tournament. Those moments, though, leading into it, saying, what are we going to do if there is a team that comes down to it? Just how many parameters did you have in place in case there was a positive case inside of one of those 32 teams? And what was the backup plan if that would have happened? Well, uh, the high school association, we you know, we told them have plan B, C, D, and, and probably E. <laughs> yeah. uh, when it got right down to it, you know, we we were certainly you know that was their jurisdiction to figure out what happened if there was a uh, a team that was affected. You know, we we were most concerned about our staff. Um, you know, we've got 28 teams from 28 different communities all descending on one place. For a week, um, and so you know the mask wearing and uh, and and all the precautions that our, our staff was taking. We know that none of it's 100 percent foolproof, uh, or we would have licked this a long time ago. So um, you know we were monitoring our people and and you know working long hours and hot days and, and things like that where you get worn down and, and and more susceptible to about everything. Uh, you know, so we're we're pleased to report that the the staff. Did well, and 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 certainly, you know, about ninety percent of the the folks coming to the ballpark were terrific. Uh, you know, we had 
challenges anytime you deal with the general public of mm-hmm. uh, people thinking that the rules don't apply to them or just kind of lost in the motion and the emotion and commotion of having uh, the, someone participating in the in the state tournament and, and maybe not even thinking about uh, all those things the way you would in, in another situation. So there's a lot of factors involved there. But I thought as the tournament went on and groups returned for their second and third game, um, people were more prepared and more understanding of what was in place, why it was in place, and uh, and I and I thought the week got better in that regard as we went along. You know, go back to before you before they you guys threw the gates open for game number one, regular season game. From where you were, from what the drawing board looked like to uh, at that point to the changes and the, I guess, adapting on the fly. How much of that was there, Randy? Would uh, I have to assume some, or were you guys able to uh, forecast how you're going to be able to pull this off and it worked out kind of the way you envisioned it, or was there a lot of adapting on the fly? We didn't really change many of the procedures much. Um, you know, we, we streamlined things a little bit. You know, once we set the seating bowl, uh, you know, we talked about before, um, you know, we weren't going to be able to expand that based on the six-foot rule. So we, we pretty much knew that we were we were maxed out in those capacities. Uh, we felt like the flow of the concession stand worked really well. Um, you know, the bathrooms, once they were set and, and stalls were closed and urinals were closed and sinks were closed, there wasn't much more we could do there. Uh, and you know, people were really helpful and, and, you know, sending ushers through the stands with, with trash bags in the middle of the game helped get things picked up in between games. Um, you know, we only had 45 minutes in between games. And when things were running late, people were piled up outside. Uh, and that was a, a concern of ours, but only so much we could do about it. Probably the biggest complaint we had was lack of restrooms outside, but I didn't know how to put portables there and clean them uh, for the amount of time on the staff that we had. So um, the fact that there was free parking, if there was an emergency, you could leave and come back um, without, you know, losing your place per se with assigned seats. You know, there was no, no drawback. So we understood that that wasn't perfect, but I didn't know how to do it better in the, in the sanitary conditions, um, let alone the customer service conditions. So, um, you know, we didn't change a whole lot. Um, and we, the full-time staff got really good at scanning tickets and then learning, <laughs> learning how to move people through and check bags and, and, and do all those things. And we were able to get people in the ballpark within 15 minutes. So if you were on time, you didn't miss a pitch of the game because of anything we did. Well, and, and the, the bathrooms, you, you, liked, you liked them so much, you locked actually uh, locked a couple of guys or one guy in the bathroom. What happened there, Randy? I mean, if, you, if you're around baseball, if you do anything long enough, you're going to see something that, oh, my God, never seen that before. That has to be a first that in the, uh, uh, in the dugout, the bathroom in the dugout, that somebody got locked into it. Yeah, so there's a deadbolt on that door, and it's a metal door, and it's outside. So over the years, uh, it doesn't get used very often. Most of the Iowa Cubs and AAA players go into the clubhouse if they need to use the restroom during the game. It doesn't get used all that often, or if it does, guys don't lock the door. They're in there for a minute or so. Uh, There's a deadbolt on the inside, uh, and this particular young man turned the deadbolt on that door, and... It's sticky, uh, and we could, he couldn't turn it back open. Um, so a couple of sledgehammers and a crowbar later, um, 
we uh, rescued him uh, from from the bathroom in the dugout, and uh, we got that game started about 20 minutes late because he was in the starting lineup and hadn't played catch yet to get warmed up. <laughs> what a world, and, and what a time that it was. Great attendance. The three uh, final three championship games, 2A, 3A, and 4A, all sold out with the social distancing seating that you had. Looking at that game Friday night with Urban Neal Johnston, the Ankeny Johnston game for the title. Just how big do you anticipate the crowds would have been if you would have been able mm. to let everybody in? You guys had your best attendance in seven years, but that's still got to kind of linger a little bit and just wondering what could have been without this happening. Yeah, you know, I think there were certainly some good matchups for attendance late when you think about having Van Meter and Des Moines Christian get as far as they did, being essentially local schools, Norwalk uh, getting to the championship, being essentially in the metro area in addition to the games that you uh, mentioned. Uh, you know, Gilbert had been here during the regular season. They're not very far away. So from a, a matchup standpoint, whether it was because of teams that weren't able to be here or just those are the teams that are that, that had the best seasons and, and such, um, you know, there, there were good matchups there from an attendance standpoint. So, um, you know, you think that we ended up, 25,000, some, something like that. And, uh, you know, the, the greatest number ever has been 34 uh, for a high school tournament, uh, I think, a, a few years ago. So in the grand scheme of things, maybe we missed out on, on, on a few thousand people. Uh, but uh, I think by and large, you know, for the you, – you worry that you're going to be at 20% capacity. But truth be told, when you take the average of all the games – you know, yeah, there was a few games that we probably could have had uh, four or five hundred more people at. You know, but starting with the one A games on Friday morning, uh, you know, we certainly have more than enough space to uh, to accommodate the demand for those. So, uh, yeah, we probably missed on three, four, maybe up to five thousand people over the course of the week. Uh, but in this day and age, that's that's pretty pretty minuscule. I know you've got three college doubleheaders coming up. I'll save that for Trent. He was telling us uh, uh, in, earlier in the program, just going over the roster, some of the kids mm-hmm. that are going to be there. So my last thing for you, Randy, is just uh, um, I'm not sure if, if what you what your plans were last night, catching your breath after the tournament. Hopefully watch the Cubs at least at some point and saw Alec Mills You've seen him a bunch. I mean, Des Moines seen him a bunch. If you're an Iowa Cubs fan, if you go down to the ballpark last, what, he's been here three years, right, prior to? I mean, he was up and Mm -hmm. back and forth a whole bunch of times last year. Randy, what's he doing different? This guy looks like, uh, how has this guy not been in the majors for his entire, you know, uh, instead of going back and forth to AAA? He looks like he belongs. What's different, Ed? Can you tell? Uh there's not a lot different watching him. Uh, he talked after the game last night about having a more confidence in his curveball uh, and, and, and throwing it more often. Um, you know, and, and I think for a guy like him, um, he, there's no margin for error. With him. And now the chance that he's got a little bit of a leash gives some confidence, you know, when, when you don't throw 97 um, they give you more chances when you throw 97 that you had a bad day. If, mm. if you throw 90 uh, and you get hit around a little bit, then they're not sure that you can ever do it on, until you get a chance. And everybody has a bad day from now and again. I don't know that he had very many bad days, but he just hasn't been the kind of guy that you say, we're going to give him six starts no matter what and, and, and see what he can do. And now because of the injury to Quintana, that's exactly the opportunity that he's that he's getting. Um 
you know, I, I think there's probably a maturity factor, a confidence factor. Uh, he became a dad in the off season. Maybe there's uh, some more urgency and some more focus to stay there and, and, and make the living. Um, I, I don't know. There's lots of, lots of factors that go into it, but you know, really for, I've said for as long as I've been doing this, the biggest difference between the guys that play in the majors and the guys that play AAA um, is typically two things, opportunity or the mental toughness to do it every day and know that you belong on that stage because the human nature is to wonder if I have enough, you know, it takes a very special kind of confidence to know that you've got enough from day one. Um, And for these guys that come from the middle of the draft and haven't been highly touted, once they know they belong and then get the opportunity to show that they belong, that's why it, that's why you get these kinds of stories uh, because you just don't go out and push guys around like an offensive lineman. You know, they, they, you, you just can't physically dominate the game. You have to let your skill and your, and your concentration uh, shine through, and that's the opportunity he's getting. Randy, baseball back at Principal Park this week. Double headers uh, coming your way the 5th, 6th, and 8th. That's Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. Tell us a little bit about the double headers. A lot of guys with local ties here. Players that you saw on the high school fields now playing at the collegiate level. And you can have a cold one while you come out to the ballpark now. Something a little different than last week with the high school baseball. Tell us a little bit more as you guys get ready for your final run of these college games. Yeah, so the 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 peak performance college all stars. Uh, they're a collection of guys who are current college players in the state of Iowa or from the state of Iowa and, and somewhere else. And most of the summer collegiate leagues got canceled. Um, you know, so this isn't an official league per se, uh, but they're it's really good competition. I think we've got five or six guys from the University of Iowa, uh, including a. Uh, their, their main pitchers um, that would have been their weekend starters uh, in the in the spring, uh, you know. So there's some talent there. Uh, there's there's good competition. Uh, yeah. So it's a eight dollar ticket for the two seven inning game doubleheaders starting at five o'clock each of those days. We'll have the concessions just like we did for the high school tournament with the addition of canned beer uh, available for uh, for these games. It's going to be a beautiful week. Uh, it's good baseball uh, and uh, a chance to see what the next step for some of these high school tournament players are. Uh, there's several guys who played in the tournament the last two years that are they're back out and starting their college careers and, and out there and, and names I recognized even only glancing at the video board running from station to station during the tournament the mm-hmm. last two years. So uh, it's a uh, it, it's a good time at the end of the summer. Now the baseball's back. If you if you've missed the chance to come take in a game at, at, in, in person, we'll have all the distancing measures in place uh, again and, and a little bit more relaxed atmosphere uh, than the, the tournament. But uh, it's good baseball and a good time. Selfish, selfish question to get you out here. Uh, Scott Saylor was trying to make sure I didn't die when the foul ball came at me <laughs> on Saturday night, and he said, it seems like it's a magnet up there. You've called a lot of games from the boxes up there at Principal Park. How many foul balls come into the press box over the course of a, a regular Iowa Cubs season? Oh, uh, I think in the home booth over 10 years, I might have got three. Huh. Um, the visiting booth maybe got a, a couple more. You know, The trick is, is if it's going to come at that angle mm-hmm. to get in the window, get the heck out of the way because you're not <laughs> going to do anything with it. It's, it's coming in hot. Uh, and it's coming in at an angle 
that uh, your computer or anything is not worth your teeth or your hands. So just get the heck out of the way. Two years ago, I caught one on the fly. That did not happen Saturday night. I, I went. Uh, he dove out the, of the way. The I went. My my feet went over my head, and uh, you know me, Randy. It was not a pretty scene in there. But thankful for for Scott and Ken and everybody else. They checked on us, and we found the foul ball. So now I got two in three years. We'll see if we can make it happen next year in twenty twenty one. It was one of my favorite parts of watching Chicago Cubs game when a foul ball would come back and Harry Carey would say, get out from under the counter, Steve, I'll protect you. And kid Steve saw it. He was probably sitting there the whole time, but I, I always got a kick out of that line. Uh, that's special that they've got on Harry Carey on the marquee that they've been playing a bunch. It's an hour show. It's really good, really, really good. Randy, uh, you guys were really good. Congratulations on uh, on the role that uh, the staff of the Iowa Cubs was able to pull off as the state tournament uh, has come and gone. And by all accounts, uh, everybody was very happy the way that every well, maybe not the team that got beat, but the, but certainly everything that you guys could do, you did as well as you possibly could. Randy, thank you. We'll talk in the uh, weeks ahead. Find out what you guys have planned. Uh, if indeed there are more plans, we'd love to share them on, uh, uh, with our audience. You guys deserve it. Thank you, Randy Wayhofer. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it very much. Good to talk to you. Randy Wayhofer from the Iowa Cubs. Well, speaking of Principal Park... Uh, they've got a blood drive coming up. It's Thursday, Trent. Danielle West has been with us a number of times through the pandemic. Life's her blood drive uh, is coming up. It's changed. You just can't show up like you used to be able to do. Uh, and I know a lot of people would love to show up and just give blood. But sadly, the way we're at right now, you have to uh, sign up in advance. And Danielle is back with us. Danielle, Trent and Ken, thank you for coming on. The event is this coming Thursday. It's bright and early. It starts at 7 a.m. and it goes until 1. How are you? Danielle. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. No, I appreciate you coming on. So uh, first of all, how many of these now that we've kind of, you know, been able to open up to some extent? Uh, I know that that was a big, big issue that before you guys couldn't get out and couldn't do the the mobile uh, blood drives, if you will. Are you back to a full slate of these or is it kind of uh, you're rolling them out slowly or uh, where are you guys at? I would say it's it's slowly but surely getting better, but we're also heading into um, our high school season and college season, which we know that those are going to look very different this year, and everything is so unknown right now that we're still pretty worried about our mobile calendar. We're looking more for community blood drives at this point where we can really group the community and the students together and still have blood drives across all of our areas. It's such a wild time, and it continues. We started our conversations, Danielle, back in March, and here we are in August, and these conversations continue. You know, for people that haven't donated blood before and don't understand maybe the importance of it, I think most everybody's heard of the blood drives, but for whatever reason just thought, eh, they'll, they'll have enough, they'll be fine. Just why it's so important right now for people that haven't done it before to get out and help everybody out with LifeServe. Yeah, absolutely. So LifeServe is the only provider of blood products to all of our central Iowa hospitals. So Mm. folks at Blank, uh, Mercy, Unity Point, Lutheran, you know, they only get their blood products from LifeServe blood donors. So a lot of people aren't aware of that. And then our biggest, um, the most donations go to cancer patients, which a lot of people aren't aware of that either. So after their chemotherapy, they receive blood transfusions for their body to really help get better after taking their chemo. So that's where a lot of our blood products go, and that need never goes away. 
And in the summer, there's more traumas. People are out and about doing things. And unfortunately, the need for blood goes up during the summer as well because there's more activities and more traumas. Hmm. Uh, this Thursday, again, 7 o'clock is when it starts. Uh, appointments are necessary. Have you? Are there still uh, spots on the calendar, Danielle? Do you know? There are. So we're about 50% right now. We have 55 appointments out of 104. So pretty much 50%. So we're definitely looking for more donors. They can go online, find the schedule. They can give us a call. They can find us on social and we can help get them an appointment. We are asking for appointments just so we know exactly how many people are going to be at the blood drive at one time and we can properly social distance. We're also asking for donors to wear a mask, and we will provide that if they don't have one as well. Hmm. So are are there, um, I mean, if you go on there and you want to sign up, but I only got an hour, I can do it from 11 until noon. Are there, is most of the morning still full, or do you know what's been, uh, do you know what's unavailable off the top of your head? So it looks like from 8.30 on, there are still plenty of appointments throughout those gotcha. hours. We are pretty full from 7 to 8.30. But then there are quite a few appointments still from 8.30 on all the way up until 1. We take people all the way until 1 p.m. And like you said, it's normally 45 minutes to an hour. Donors can fill out their health history question the day of their donation online. So that will save them some time as well. And since we're doing by appointment, we really crank people through because we're ready for these appointments. Finally, uh, Danielle, I hear a lot about plasma and for people on that side of things there's been plenty of studies out there the help that this can have for covid patients people that have previously had it and donate their plasma for people that want to come in and find out hey they were asymptomatic or maybe they were sick but never got a positive covid taste case whatever it is over the preceding months is there a test that you guys can do to find out if they have it and if they have those antibodies that can help out people that are dealing with covid right now Yes, absolutely. So we are still looking for convalescent plasma donors. The need for that is only growing nationwide. Um, and those are folks that have tested positive for COVID-19 or believe they've had it. They can go through our website. We have a whole section on convalescent plasma and do antibody testing for that. We're also working on being able to antibody test every blood donor um, hopefully starting soon so all of our blood donors will find out if they have those antibodies so we can continue to find those convalescent plasma donors. LifeServeBloodCenter.org, Danielle? Yes, LifeServeBloodCenter.org. They can find the information about our Iowa Cubs drive. We have a whole convalescent plasma section, all of the precautions we're taking because of COVID-19. So there's a lot of great info out there. Um, or they could give us a call and one of our team members can help answer any questions they have as well. Danielle, we will uh, talk to you as the need arises. Please don't hesitate to reach out. Principal Park, still appointments available. About half of them are full. 55 out of the 104 available opportunities to give blood have been uh, taken, but there's still opportunities uh, to fit you in. Danielle, thank you again. Please reach out if you need uh, you need airtime. Trent and I would be happy to accommodate you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle West from LifeSir Blood Support, 7 a.m. until 1, uh, LifeSirBloodCenter.org.
Uh, KXNO and iHeart want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword FUN to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. FUN to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Uh, Matt Norlander from CBSSports.com joins us next. We will get into college basketball on a national scale with Matt. Trent Knight till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Con. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO with you until noon. As promised, time to talk a little college basketball from a national perspective. Although I'm guessing the Big Ten will come in up at some point. The Somu, Coburn, back for Illinois, Luca for Iowa. Matt Norlander, CBSSports.com. Matt, Trent and I watched a ton of basketball last year, as you did. But from where we sit, Illinois, Iowa, the two games that we saw, the home and home, including the one at the end of the regular season, uh, just appointment TV. Uh, so glad that those three athletes have decided to come back to their respective schools. It was so fun last year. Well, it's not fun, and hopefully we can have something of a normal regular season in 2020-2021. I mean, we we wait to see. We're still easily a month out from knowing really what the, the state of college basketball's season next season will be. But um, it is at least a little bit uh, hopeful, inspiring, and some reason for optimism that you saw Garza, Dumu, Coburn, along with plenty of other players, uh, decide to return uh, in the midst of plenty of uncertainty overall. So I think that was a pretty good thing. Just a quick, uh, quick number, a fact check here for your audience. Um, in the past five seasons, uh, there have been a, a varying number of underclassmen who declared for the draft, and then obviously and uh, inevitably so many of them return. Uh, but five years ago, it was 117. Four years ago, it was 137. Two years ago, we saw the huge jump when the deadlines and rules changed. to 181. Last year was 175, but the pandemic actually gave us fewer underclassmen declarations this season. We had 156, and of those 156, uh, 91 opted to return. That's the second most in that span. The only other year that had more was the year, obviously, that had the most in 2018 with 181 declarations. So uh, some good news for college basketball on the whole, without a doubt. It's a good thing. And for Iowa, you know, I said this on the Ion College Basketball Podcast with my co-host Gary Parrish. To me, the biggest headline of the past 72 hours of college basketball is great as it was for Illinois. You get the presumptive preseason national player opting to return to hoops. So that's a great thing and a, and a good thing for Iowa. Iowa hasn't had these kind of expectations coming into the mm. season in a very long time. You probably have to go back to the Luke Recker, Reggie Evans, their senior year, which they fell on their face and didn't even make the NCAA tournament that year. They were preseason top 15. This is new territory for Iowa basketball. Fran McCaffrey and company, this is a place Fran McCaffrey's never been before with these kind of national expectations for his team. What's different about Iowa? And maybe the other part of this, what concerns you about this Hawkeye team? What's different about Iowa? Well, I mean, in the broad scheme, Trent, um, I, I do think that this team under McCaffrey heading into next season will have – I won't refer to my podcast every every answer, I promise you, but I did mention this. It's, it's, it's worth repeating here. Iowa, as your listeners well know, has an interesting history under McCaffrey in that it has often 
been an overachiever and then been an underachiever. So in years where it's expected to be like a top four, top five level Big Ten team, it's sometimes fallen short of that. And then the Iowa fans have seen the inverse of that, you know, four or five years ago when it wound up being a better team than maybe was anticipated overall. So it will be interesting to see this team be labeled. It'll be a universal top ten team in America. Uh, you know, some might even venture to say top five. Because Gars is going to get the lion's share of the attention, and that's understandable. But as you all well know, it's it, it's far from just him. Uh, they lose barely. I mean, they lose what? Bakari, Evelyn, Jordan Bohannon, Creener, and that's yeah, and that's it though. Yeah. I mean, every, everyone else is back, and then Wieskamp is obviously the other big, big name to know. He's going to have a really good potential to uh, step up and be an impact player. How will the program respond to that? And then how will Garza? Uh, be able to follow up what was just a magnificent season. Obviously, you know, Obi Toppin won the won all, but I believe I think Obi Toppin was the National Player of the Year across every mainstream award except I believe Mike DeCourcy's Sporting News mm-hmm. gave Garza the award. Um, so repeating that kind of production will be interesting with Garza. He has enough talent around him to I, I think not just carry all of it on his shoulders. Uh, offensively, I do think that this team will be elite again, and that's been that's been something that's been consistent, obviously, as of late in recent seasons. I mean, you go back, I was looking uh, yesterday or the day before, and Iowa on offense has been a top-20 team the past three seasons. Uh, obviously, McCaffrey's more known for his offense than his defense, but I do think this has got a, the team's had a really good shot at being, uh, you know, a top-10-level team in the country, and then It'll be projected to uh, to win the Big Ten probably, and that's something mm-hmm. that hasn't happened in the regular season since the last year of the 1970s. He has been a long time, no doubt about it. Wisconsin's kind of flying under the radar a little bit. Where, where are you on this Wisconsin team? We, I mean, everybody likes Reavers. Davison is a pain in the you-know-what. You'd love him for you on your team just for what he gets under other guys' skin. Uh, Potter looked good last year. Where are you on Wisconsin, Matt? Yeah, Potter to me was more than just good. I mean, between Michael Potter and Nate Reavers, You've got two bigs who are going to provide a heck of a challenge to the other top teams in the league here. I think Micah Potter is – Garza is going to be the rightfully the, the projected preseason player in the league, and it's going to have the best chance. But if you want – I don't even know if Potter really – maybe he qualifies as a dark horse, but he is the one player where if Garza doesn't do it, uh, I would give him a great shot there. Yeah. They, Wisconsin is is the kind of team where – if you follow the league, you're not going to be surprised by it, but they weren't that notable last season. And so because of that, they they qualify as sleeper overall. They, they can certainly be a top-10 team in America. Wow. Matt Norlander joining us and also playing dad duty with the kids in the bathtub as he joins us here. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. At the top, I saw your colleague at CBS Sports, Gary Parrish, has – Three small private schools at the top of the list, and no, Duke was not one of them. You got Gonzaga, you, you have Baylor, you have programs that are good programs, but it's just college basketball has a chance to be so freaky different this year with the top end. You throw Iowa into the mix, and, and you talk about how long no, it's but... been for them, on and on and on here. Just how goofy, as long as we get college basketball, how crazy could this year be? I mean, it's already going to be crazy. I can promise you this. We are not going to have um, a full season with a full allotment of games. Right. I just can't imagine how that's possibly going to be able to happen. You already have, you know, the Ivy League is now allowing its uh, basketball teams to play before essentially like September 20th. So 
So those games have already been uh, either replaced or in the process of being replaced by other programs. But you'll have schools with inconsistent schedules. So just as that being the starting point and coaches having a certain level of expectation that the season might not start until January, it's going to be a season unlike any other. I do think we are going to have a season. I am optimistic on that front. I do think by the time we get to January, if you do things in conferences and we've hit, you know, like a five-month rhythm of, how we're supposed to behave with this virus and mask up and all that stuff. I think we can pull it off, but more to what you're talking about, Trent, with the, uh, with the teams near the top, that's great. It's kind of been to a certain extent, it's been like that in recent seasons across past five or six seasons. Was obviously you've got the expected usual suspects that, that got near the top of those rankings, but Villanova, Baylor, Gonzaga will probably be the universal top three uh, once we get to the start of the season, and none of those teams have ever been the number one ranked team in the preseason, the AP Top 25, so we'll have some history there. And it should be, uh, I mean, I'm optimistic that it should be a, a pretty intriguing season overall because you also have, and I wrote about this about two months ago, maybe, you're going to have top 10 prospects in the class of 2020 enroll that unusual spot. So like Oklahoma State will have Cade Cunningham, probably going to be the number one pick in next year's draft. Um, Oklahoma State's currently not eligible to even play <laughs> in the NCAA tournament in 2021 because of uh, the FBI investigation and the NCAA fallout. But they are, they are certainly contesting that and hope they can win on appeal. You've got USC going to have a player named Evan Mobley who could certainly be a top three, top five pick. He, uh, he went to an uncommon spot. You look across Gonzaga, has his first ever top ten prospect that's landed there obviously kentucky's got a a top 10 kid in bj boston so i do like that we've got some variety a little bit of different flavor there and when you mix all of that with the uncertainties of how a schedule is going to be able to be pulled off there it is going to be a a fascinating season it might actually it might i'm putting the cart a little bit ahead of the horse here but if we can get a season and even if it's only 20 to 22 games you could have a college basketball season with a real sense of urgency that, for someone like me, I always feel like it has it. But for the general public, if uh, if there was a condensed season, it actually might benefit the sport in a weird way. Kind of like baseball is, other than the fact that uh, teams can't, um, you know, are, are having trouble staying away from the virus. Last thing, just a real quick hit on the Big Twelve, and you mentioned Baylor, and it's nice to see somebody not named Kansas getting a, a lot of love uh, in the preseason. Kansas is going to have a, it, its share of backers, no doubt. But Baylor with Butler coming back, I'm anxious to see Clark, is because it wasn't the same player last year. Can can he get back to where he once was? Do you think? Matt? Uh, I love that an Iowa radio show is asking me these kind of questions because that's the kind of thing that uh, that a lot of people aren't uh, aren't thinking about or talking about. But yes, Tristan Clark. I mean, last year he was still not fully healthy. I talked to Scott Drew about that. Um, can he, if he gets back to what he was, Baylor's going to be the best team in America. I promise you that because mm. Jared Butler is going to be a top ten player in the country. Macy Oteague will be a top fifty player in the country. And if Tristan Clark gets back to where he was two and a half years ago. Tristan Clark is going to be a top 50 player in the country. You put three of the 50 best players on one team, that's the best team in America there. So um, I think there's that potential, sure. I give credit to Tristan Clark for continuing to kind of gut it out. He didn't transfer. He wasn't looking to get some sort of easy way out there. But his health is an interesting subplot on that team. If he can get back to 90% of what he was, then, yes, Baylor's going to have a chance to uh, not just you know be a – a number one seed again in in a hopeful 2021 NCAA tournament. But when you look at the fact that Baylor currently has a top three recruiting class, 
Scott Drew may, he may, I'm not saying what happened, but he may actually become the first coach to really supplant Kansas year over year for like two consecutive seasons, uh, something that's never happened since Bill Self got there. So we wait and see, but yeah, certainly a very interesting story could be playing out in Waco right now. Finally, back on the local front, you and I, uh, they were on the cusp of an NCAA tournament bid last year, then laid an egg in the quarterfinals against Drake. They have a good opportunity going to the Cayman Islands Classic. That's been moved to Florida already, but Miami's there, Ole Miss, K-State, some power programs that they can pile up wins. But will these tournaments even be happening? What's the reality, leaving just the whole college basketball season aside, that these exempt tournaments are even going to happen this year in college hoops? I put it at, man, I think I put it at about 10% at this yeah. point. Um, so I'm currently working on a story that's either going to run tomorrow or Thursday at com, where I've talked to some college basketball officials, as in referees, about uh, what, you know, their weight and seeing how it's been for them. And, and some of these guys, you know, they make so much of their salary off the games and they could stand to lose a lot of those games. And uh, how it relates to your question, Trent, is that at this time of the year, Officials are normally getting their contracts from leagues saying, okay, because they do, they, they renew every single year. They're not like on a five year deal or anything like that. So because of that, uh, and with COVID, they have not signed those yet. The, the contracts were like, if you're going to work on Maui or you're going to, you're going to work, you know, a Cancun challenge or whatever, um, those are still pushed off. So the officials have more optimism than the coaches do, but I, I'm, I'm very skeptical that those are going to be able to be played. The only thing, if you wanted to be a total optimist about this and provide a silver lining is maybe it would, maybe it would flip and be the other way around where the organizers of the exempt events create essentially something as close to a bubble as they possibly could. And in doing so, like once you get there, you are in the hotel or you're in the gym. Those are the only places you're allowed to go. And if you can do that and you don't have outbreaks on your team, then you can hold it. The risk therein, obviously, is that if you have an eight-team field and one team or two teams actually gets COVID tests, it's all going to be a wash. It's all going to be a fur waste, and then you put up all this money to have this tournament that won't even happen. So I'm not optimistic, but I don't think it's impossible. Matt, thanks for doing this for us. Appreciate it. Gentlemen, appreciate you. Have a wonderful day. And you do the same. Matt Norlander, CBSSports.com. Uh, the podcast with Gary Parrish, I know you love it. I do. It is a must-listen even during the offseason. Love those two. Parrish is such a goofball, and uh, Norlander brings does brings the knowledge. do afternoon drive in Memphis? He does, yeah, yeah. for a long time now. Yeah. And you also see him, CBS Sports Network, right. 221 on DirecTV. You see him with Hassel a lot. Yes, absolutely. They do those hits on HQ on CBS. CBS does such a great job. Yeah, they really have made a nice little niche, haven't mm-hmm. they? Uh, we'll take a time out, come back, finish things up. Miller and Connor, your twins play at one. They do. Got to get ready. Got to get a bed in. I told you over the weekend I didn't make a bet. That, did, were you shaking? No. No, I just because it hasn't been part of my life for the last four months. <laughs> and just, I don't know. I'm, I'm not back into the groove of it, but I changed that last night in a big way. A winning way? Oh, yeah. Wow, it was a good. big night for the uh, the bankrolls in the Condon Casino uh, with a couple of the apps that I had. Was playing little Bill Hill early. Now I've jumped back uh-huh. to DraftKings, just kind of back and forth playing with things. Speaking of that, speaking of the Twins, bet them before the season to win the division. Mm-hmm. What the, were they? Minus 130. Okay, that's fair. They're still now only minus 150 at DraftKings. 
It seems like that you can stealing money. It seems like it. Trent, yeah. who's going to famous catch last you? words? No, I'm not. I okay. I get you're a fan, and then you yeah. don't think you're home free, um, but you're home free. The White Sox are six and four, won mm-hmm. five in a row. They're playing well. They're playing well. Yep. Got to beat the teams. You have to beat the bad teams. You have to take care of the Royals. You have to take care of the Tigers. You do that, they're going to be fine. We'll come back, finish things up. Miller and Condon until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, final couple of minutes. Miller and Condon on a Tuesday. Covered a lot of ground today. And we did. A little of everything. A little bit of everything indeed. We didn't even hardly talk any NBA. I've been watching more NBA than I anticipated, even though... It really doesn't count. That's that's anything. why I'm not into it yet. Yeah. But plus the NHL's back. And well, and I knew that's a big part for you. Right. I got late night hockey tonight. You do? The Wild. Did I get the late shift again? I love that's it. too bad for their fans. Oh, no. Yeah. You've been waiting for five months for you're going to be fine. Stayed up an extra hour or two. That's true. To I watch guess. your team. That's true. My team plays at 545 today. Ideal. 545. That's perfect. For no, you. it's absolutely. You're locked house. and loaded. Yes, I am. I hope they are. Uh, twins this afternoon. Cubs mm-hmm. tonight. Brady Singer, who I believe I saw on Twitter. It's his birthday today. Oh, really? Yeah, against Kyle Hendricks. Uh, that's a 715. So that works out well. Twins, 1 o'clock. Then the Cubbies later on. White Sox uh, stay in Milwaukee, right? Yeah, is that what, yeah, 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 they're in Milwaukee. A Giolito tonight against Woodruff, so that's a pretty good matchup. Yeah, the two aces of those two squads. Uh, Yadier Molina apparently is one of the COVID positives. Apparently, he put that on his Instagram. Uh, so the Cardinals, they all tested negative today. Need one more. So need one more, and the Cubs Cardinals series this weekend theoretically can happen. Great. Yeah, I'm all for it. Fingers well, the baseball's crossed. been unbelievable, Trent. It just is it feel does it feel different to you? Like I'm not saying I'm more of a baseball fan this year. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it more. I oh, think. no doubt. Yeah. I, I just I got a smile on my face anytime uh-huh. I turn it on. I, I think there's a lot of people that have that same kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. And we don't know when it's gonna be taken away. No. It could be very quickly, but I think this is giving us a blueprint for football. We have Certainly to be, the NFL. We have to be ready for this. We have to yep. be ready for games that are taken away and figured out on the fly. Be ready for Murph and Andy at 2 and the Fanatics at 4. Morning Rush will be back on the airwave tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon weekdays 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.